We're going to take a little bit of a break from the book of Acts today. I don't typically do this, but I, I wanted to help us as a church just this week to think biblically about the times that we are living in. We are living in some interesting times, amen? Um, uncertain times, even. Uh, 2020 has been, for me, who's lived on this planet 39 years, I've never lived through a year like 2020 before. Now, some of you have lived through um, some other kind of tumultuous times, but th- this, is, this has got to be up there for just, you know, kind of strange, unusual, difficult challenging, uncertain times that we're living in. And as wild as it's been, it's very possible that we're still elevating on the roller coaster for the big drop, um, that, that we still haven't yet seen the, uh, the, what all 2020 has in store for us. And if you have been watching the news uh, this past couple of weeks, like I have, unfortunately, I wouldn't recommend watching the news, but I must confess to you that I've been paying attention to what's been happening with, in the news and with our upcoming election. Um, I want us, as God's people, to think biblically about the events that are going to unfold over the next several days and possibly even the next several weeks. As God's people, in troubled times and uncertain times, We turn to God and we turn to his word. That is where we turn to. That is what we look to as God's people. God's word helps us to think biblically and more importantly, or or not more importantly, but flowing from thinking biblically, God's word helps us to live biblically. It's not just having the right point of view. It's not just having the right worldview. You have to actually live it out. Faith without works is dead. And before we get into uh, the the scripture today, I I, I just want to say that I believe that a Christian uh, should exercise their civil duty and should participate in voting. I think it's a good thing if Christians participate in voting if your conscience allows. I know there are some people whose conscience doesn't allow them to participate. I would never encourage someone to violate their conscience. But I do believe if your conscience allows you to participate in voting, that we should, as Christians, exercise the right that we have, the civic duty and liberty that we have to cast our vote. And as Christians, before we go to the ballot box or press the little computer screen with your number two pencil eraser and your little glove to make sure you don't catch COVID, um, that you pray before you go there. And you ask God and you seek the Lord and you turn to his word and you seek the leading of the Holy Spirit. And once you have discerned the will of God that you vote appropriately. We look at God's word, we listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and then we cast our ballot. Now, that being said, I have three points for us this morning. I'm going to give you my outline up front. And while I do only have three points, I have many, many sub points today. So just be forewarned. 
I also have many, many, many scriptures that I want to share with us today. My hope today is to saturate your soul with the Word of God, to flood your soul with God's Word. I have 19 passages that we're going to look at today. Some, somebody gasped. Don't worry, we have, I have church in Fredericksburg at 2 o'clock, so I, I, gotta, I gotta be there by 2, so you, you're, you're safe. But I want, I, I want the Word of God to work in your heart today, and so we're going to look at these passages. I'm going to read them. I just want you to receive from God's Word today. But my outline is simply this. Our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in government. Our hope is in the Lord. As God's people, as Christians, as those who have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We do not hope in man. We do not hope in government. We hope in the Lord. Our Lord, who is the creator of heaven and earth, who is good, who is gracious, who is faithful to all generations, our Lord, who is savior of all, who is king of kings and Lord of lords, and who is sovereign over all. Father, we thank you for these truths. Lord, as we look at them from your word today, press them deep into our hearts. Lord, set us free from worldly thinking. Set us free from the bondage of putting our hope in men or for trusting in the government. As your people, we place our hope and our trust and our faith in you. There's nobody else that can save us. There's nobody else that can fix our mess or fix our world. It is only you. And so, Lord, we look to you. The Alpha and the Omega. The creator of heaven and earth. Lord, as we look at your word today, steady our souls. That we would live as your people in the world today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our hope is not in man. Psalms 118.8 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Psalm 146.3 says, Put not your trust in princes, in mortal man who cannot save. Jeremiah 17.5, This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind who makes the flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord. Now again, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, I have been watching the news. And I don't just watch one news channel. I watch what they're saying on the right. And I watch what they're saying on the rest of the news channels. I watch the right and the left. And what I've discovered over the last couple of weeks watching the news is that on one side of the political spectrum, they are preaching this message, Joe Biden is the last hope for America. If you don't vote for Joe Biden, all hope is lost. And you flip to the next station and it says, Donald Trump is the last hope for America. If you do not vote for Donald Trump, all hope 
is lost. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to declare to you today that if our hope is in Joe Biden or if our hope is in Donald Trump, all hope is lost. But our hope is not in man. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man cannot save, the scripture declares to us. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, the scripture says. That's not my word. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. That to live with the hope, to to live your life hoping in men is to live a life that is cursed. We do not hope in men to save us. Our hope is in the Lord. It's in Him that we take refuge. It's in Him that we trust because it is Him alone who can save. So I have to ask you the question, are you placing your hope in a Trump victory? Are you placing your hope in a Biden victory? Or are you placing your hope in the Lord? Our hope is not in government. Isaiah 40, 15 says, Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are considered a speck of dust on the scales. God lifts up islands like fine dust. Isaiah 40, 17, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. Isaiah 33, 6 says, Behold, you are trusting in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff, which which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it, such as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and all who trust in him. The prophet Isaiah is addressing the people of God, God's people, God's chosen people, who in a time of difficulty, who who in a time where they were being threatened by outside political forces, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was threatening to conquer them, and God's people were looking not to God for salvation, but they were looking to Egypt and the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, for salvation. And Egypt in the Bible is a a type or a prototype of the world's systems, of the, the systems of government that belong to the world. And God says to his people, if you trust in the systems of man, you will come to ruin. You will come to ruin. That the governments of this world, that the systems of this world to God are like a drop in the bucket. They are as nothing before God. The nations of the world compared to God are as nothing. But those who trust in the governments, the systems of man, looking to them for salvation, looking to them for hope, looking to the government to fix all of our problems and to meet all of our needs, it will be like someone who leans against a sharp staff 
You will come to ruin. You will come to harm. We do not trust in man. We do not trust in governments, in the systems of this world. We trust in the Lord. He is our hope. He is our only hope. Psalm 118 verse 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. We trust in the Lord who is the creator of heaven and earth. Psalms 89 11 says, The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in them for you have founded them. Our hope is in the Lord who is good. Psalms 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness is to all generations. Our hope is in the Lord who is gracious. Psalm 145 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Our hope is in the Lord who is faithful to all generations. Psalms 119.90, your faithfulness continues through all generations. You established the earth and it endures. We trust in the Lord. We hope in the Lord who is Savior of all. Of all. Revelation chapter 7 is this vision that the Apostle John has of the end of time, the end of days, when the Lord returns and establishes His kingdom. The vision that he saw, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, these people were clothed in white robes. They had palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, they said, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Salvation belongs to God. Salvation is from God and God alone. We will not be saved by the person sitting in the Oval Office. We will be saved by the King of Kings who sits on the throne. And by the Lamb. That is what matters. That is what matters. And Jesus Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He has been given all authority on heaven and on earth. He was not voted into power. He cannot be voted out of power. When Tuesday comes, Jesus Christ will still be seated on the throne. I don't know what's going to happen in the Oval Office. But what really matters will not change. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one that we place our hope in. Amen. 
He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Daniel chapter 4 tells the story. We have a little bit of time today. Let's flip over, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. This is an incredible story. King Nebuchadnezzar was, at this time, the king of kings on the earth. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, he had conquered every kingdom. He had conquered all nations He ruled the world. This was according to God's sovereign decree and plan. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't uh, some sort of fluke. God had raised him up for that season. But King, King Nebuchadnezzar began to think that he and his might and his power and his ingenuity had brought him these victories became filled with pride and it tells us that God gave King Nebuchadnezzar some dreams that warned him what would happen to him if he would not humble himself under God's authority yet he refused to he hardened his heart in pride And so in verse 28 of chapter 4, it says that all of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? He believes that he is the one who is in power. He does not acknowledge the power of God. And verse 31 says, While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. His hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. 
For seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar roamed the earth like a beast. And then in verse 34, it tells us, At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will. Among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Our God is the creator. He is good. He is gracious. He is faithful. He is the savior. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, a kingdom without end. No one can take it from him. He has purchased it with his own blood. Now all power and all authority belong to our king. And he, the scripture declares to us, is sovereign over all. Sovereign over all. Psalms 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The purpose of his heart to all generations. Psalm 135, 6, Whatever the Lord does, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. Ephesians 1:11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Job, after he goes through his experience in life, says this to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Finally, Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. After Daniel had interpreted the vision of the the, king, the, the, the statue that had the, the multiple kingdoms of the earth. Daniel says this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Listen, there's a king above all the kings. There's a power above all powers. There's an authority over the authority of men. It is the sovereign God. I don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday. I don't know what's going to happen the days after. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to count the votes. 
I don't know how it's going to go, if it's going to go to the courts, if it's going to go to the Congress. I don't know what's going to happen. But God knows. And His will will be accomplished, period. God's will will be accomplished. There is no doubt about it. There is no question. There is no ambiguity. There there is no fuzziness about it. What is going to happen will be the will of God, period. The sovereign God, the creator God, the God who rules and reigns over every kingdom, over every nation, over every power, over every king, over every senator, over every judge, over every president. God's will will be done, period. This is the message of the scriptures. This is what God's word declares to us. And as we as God's people, we need to understand this. We need to live with this confidence and this assurity because we trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. We do not trust in the blue. We do not trust in the red. As we sit there on Tuesday nights, Tuesday night and watch certain states go blue and certain states go red, we will not lose heart. We will not grow weary. We will not lose hope because our hope is not in red states. Our hope is not in blue states. Our hope is not in men. Our hope is not in government. Our hope is in God, period. We trust in the Lord. I don't know who will win the election. But I do know that whoever does will be put there by God Almighty. And in that I rejoice. Whether my candidate wins or not. Because every day I pray your kingdom come and your will be done. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God is bringing human history to its ultimate conclusion in Jesus Christ. And what it will take to do that, I don't suppose to know. So I trust in God. The hope for America is not the Republican Party. The hope for America is not the Democratic Party or whatever third party we've got running around down there either. I don't know. Jesus Christ is the hope for America. He's not only the hope for, the, for America, he's the hope for our world. Only Jesus can fix our mess. It's no politician no thought leader, no pastor, no senator, no CEO, no vaccine, no scientist, no doctor. It's only Jesus. And for those who have believed in Jesus and who have received his gospel, 
He calls his people to live a different kind of life. To live a a higher kind of life. He calls his people up to a higher plane of living than the way that the world lives and the way that the world thinks. As God's people, we should not live like the world. As God's people, we should not think like the world. God declares to us to come out from among them and be separate. And because of the proliferation of media and 24-7 social media and 24-7 news cycles, God's people unfortunately are tuned more into the news than they are to the Holy Spirit. This is a catastrophe that God's people would be more in tune with somebody's lost laptop and emails than what the Spirit of God is saying. God, help us. God, help us. Are we on our face before God? Are we seeking him in prayer? Are we in his word? Or are we consumed with the spirit of this age, with the political process of this world? Listen to me. When the sky splits open and Jesus Christ returns, riding on a horse, carrying a sword, the United States of America, the red, white, and blue, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights will be the smallest, most insignificant footnote in human history. We serve the true and living God. We're part of the kingdom of God. Yet we're thinking and acting like we're part of this world. The systems of this world, the ideology of this world, programming the thoughts and the minds of the people of God. God calls us to a higher way of living, a different way of thinking. Let me remind you of how Jesus taught us how to live. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Love our enemies. As we watch the news, do we see anybody ever say anything like, well, we disagree with them on these political issues, but they're created in the image of God, and we're called to love them. Have you ever heard anybody say anything remotely close to that? Of course not. Not on either side. Why? Because they're part of the systems of this world. And they're dominated by a dark spirit and ideology. But not us as God's people. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to pray for those who persecute us. 
Have you been praying for the people on the opposite end of the political spectrum? If not, why not? It's not an option. It's not a take it or leave it. It's not a, 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 an optional part of the Christian life. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. Jesus says to turn the other cheek, to count it all joy when you face various trials, to lay down your life, to put others first, to sacrifice for those who can do nothing to repay you, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. What our world needs is not more politics. What our world needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church to rise up and to be the people of God. This is what our world needs. And we're getting sucked into the world's system and way of thinking. Are we being led by the spirit of God or the spirit of this age? And if you find yourself not filled with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control, but instead you find yourself filled with anger and rage and animosity, you're not filled with the spirit of God but you've allowed yourself to be filled with the spirit of this age. What a tragedy that God's people would not live in the power of God's spirit when it's what the world needs. It's what the world needs. I asked you to open to Matthew chapter 5 at the beginning. That was my introduction, by the way. I want to read you from Matthew chapter 5 um, in closing today. Words from God himself. Some of the most beautiful words ever spoken. Starting in verse 2, it says, And he opened his mouth, that's Jesus, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I just want to highlight verse 9 for you again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 
I don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday. I don't know what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months. But I do know that because of the way our media works and social media works right now, that our nation is so incredibly polarized. And that half of the country is going to be in utter despair because they've put their hope in men and they've put their hope in government. I don't know what half of the country, but half the country is going to lose their minds. And God has called us to not lose our minds, but to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers. Not to win political arguments for a system that is fading away, but to be a part of the kingdom of God to bring reconciliation to people, to help people find peace with God and to be reconciled to Him. This is our great commission. This is what our Lord has called us to do and to be about. And I submit to you that our world needs us to be about it. Would you stand with me as we pray? Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word, which is a sword. Lord, it divides what is soul and what is spirit, what is fleshly and what is true. You've called us, God, out from the world. You've saved us. You've set us free. You've called us to walk in freedom. Lord, freedom from sin, freedom from the dark spiritual forces that are trying to wreak havoc in our world. Help us. Holy Spirit, help us. We need your help. Without you and your help, we are lost. But with you and your power and your strength and your wisdom and your might, and your word lighting our way, we can make a difference in our world. Not through politics, not through social change, not through a political revolution, but through the expansion of the kingdom of God. Lord, we do not know what will happen this week or in the coming weeks and months. But what we do know is that your will will be accomplished, and in that we rejoice. We put our hope and our trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go out and be hopeful and share hope this week. Amen.